You are listening to WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. This is the Public Affairs Show. I'm Carl Arredondo, former chief meteorologist of Channel 4, and I am visually impaired. I have retinitis pigmentosa, and I walk with a white cane. On today's show, it's a topic that really fascinated me because uh, in recent years, because of my vision, I've become more interested in listening to books being read to me, audiobooks. So I, in fact, know someone who does this audiobook narrating. So today's guest is a good friend of mine. Her name is Melissa Benson, and I want to welcome Melissa to the show. Hey, Carl. Thank you so much for inviting me here. This is very exciting, and I'm Glad to be here to talk to you about audiobooks today. Well, I know we've talked before, and I've told you how fascinated I am, and we'll get more into that into the show. But first, tell our listeners about Melissa, who you are, where you're from, and all that good stuff. Um, all right. Uh, my name is Melissa K. Benson, and I like to throw that K in there. I always like that name. <laughs> so now I get to use it professionally. Um, and I live here in the New Orleans metro area, and um, I'm one of those lucky people who have had the privilege of having several careers. And each one feels like a chapter in my life. And each one has sort of informed the next. So um, I have a lot of different experiences as far as careers go. And this just happens to be about number six career. <laughs> and hopefully it will be. Uh, the final one. I don't want to say the last one. That sounds, well, that does sound final, but um, because I really, really do love it. And one of, uh, the one thing that has been a constant throughout all of my various careers, I've worked in doctor's offices, dental offices, managed doctor's offices. Um, I homeschooled my children. Um <laughs> And I was a massage therapist and myofascial therapist for 15 years. And that was the career that I held right before I switched to this career. But the one constant through all of that is that I've always been an actor. From the time I can remember, in one form or another, not, not necessarily professionally, but I have always loved to be on stage. And that's probably what has informed this job the most for me. And to let everybody know, I've known Melissa since 2014, I think it was. We both did CrossFit at the same location in Slidell for a while. So uh, we go back to 2014, Melissa. Yes, we do. That's we, another one of my careers, CrossFit. <laughs> yes, we've talked about throughout the time uh, injuries and pain and why are we doing this and all that, but we end up still going back, right? Right. It's, it's that mental fortitude that you gain from that kind of physical activity. And honestly, that that informs my work right now because, believe it or not, being an audiobook narrator has a very physical aspect. Uh, the respiratory system uh, is very important in this job, so I'm glad I have that background too. So how did you get into audiobook narrating? What drew you to it? How did you stumble across it, or how, how did that happen? <laughs> Well, as I mentioned, I homeschooled my children, and we listened to a lot of books and literature on tape in the car. Um, we used to, I used to say we car schooled a lot, um, going on field trips and listening to books. Uh, I guess that was probably an introduction to it for our whole family. Uh, but 
as I also mentioned, I was a massage therapist for 15 years and I was a sole proprietor. So I wore all the hats from being the accountant to doing the laundry. And so I would find myself folding and rolling a lot of sheets and towels. And my oldest daughter was was real interested in listening to audiobooks and she kept giving me recommendations. And I started listening to audiobooks and just fell in love with them with the way I could do another task while I was listening to a book because oftentimes I would try to read a book at night and fall asleep and get about two paragraphs in and have to start over. So I I just fell in love with listening to audiobooks. And it didn't take me long to realize after a while that I was not just listening to someone read a book. I was listening to performances. And that appealed to me as an actor. And I started to wonder if I could do that. And so I started to look into it. In about 2016, 2017, I started just investigating. And then in 2018, I took a course on voiceover from a guy in L.A., and then I was just hooked. And ever since, uh, I've been an audiobook narrator. I know we talked about this. What fascinated me is when I first started listening to audiobooks, and the one that really made me think about it more was I was listening to, um, uh, I'm an Anne Rice fan, so I'm trying to eventually get through her 13 Vampire Chronicles. I'm on book 10 of 13. Nice. And the the first book I did was audiobook, the, the book number 10. And it was amazing. The The narrator had these different voices for the each character. And I was like, wow. I mean, and he would, you know, of course, he would get them all straight, which one he was, re, you know, doing at the time. But I found that fascinating. And I just thought, man, this guy's talented. You know, I didn't know that, you know, you're you're doing a performance like you mentioned. That's why when I asked you, you know, when we talked before, most audiobook narrators, most, they have a theatrical background because this is basically them doing a one-person show. Right. That's, uh, that is the appeal. It's an actor's dream. You get to, you win all the parts. <laughs> if you're, if you're doing a sole narration on a book and there are 25 characters, you get to be them all. So, uh, yes, it, it is very appealing to actors, but People come to audiobook narrating from all kinds of backgrounds. A lot of radio people, uh, broadcasting people, come into it. Um, and then just every other imaginable walk of life. But I, I believe you're right. It's probably you know very heavily populated by the actor community. I think that's amazing because we have a lot of... Um volunteer readers here at WRBH and they do all kinds of, they, they read books and they read newspaper articles and, and the reading of the uh, books and the novels are, are, are great also. And so they're just people volunteering here that do that. And it, it's amazing because when I was in the TV business, I would sit there and watch our anchors read the script and the really good anchors like, you know, Angela Hill, Dennis Waltering, um, you know, Karen Swenson, it sounded like they were talking to you. Now, if I tried to read a script, it sounds like I'm reading to you. And there's a very big difference in the talent level of reading and sounding conversational as opposed to reading and sounding like you're reading. Right. That's 
that's the acting skill. Um, and you have a skill. I've listened to your to this radio show, and you're very good at conversation. Uh, so I think it's just the acting experience that allows people to be conversational while they're reading. Me, I'm better at ad-libbing. I don't yes. want to read something. I have maybe notes. I know what I'm gonna, going to say, but I just talk off the top of my head. And that's the thing I did much better because I'd always tease, you know, Dennis and, and Tan Trung. I says, look, you guys have to read. I don't have to read. So I always tease them about it, but they're excellent readers. And uh, that's the thing that I found fascinating. That's a talent that it takes practice because you can watch any TV newscast and you can tell if somebody's talking to you or someone's reading to you. Right. Absolutely. And you can tell with with narrators, people have their favorites. And and you can tell when you get totally immersed and lost in a story that you're listening to. You forget all about that someone's reading that off of a manuscript in a little booth somewhere. And you and they sort of take you on a journey that that also allows you to create the picture like the cinema in your head. So that's that's the beauty of it. And that's what I was drawn to. Like I mentioned, as an actor, I was really drawn to the really good narrators who who could do that. And you're right. It is painting that picture, telling the story so the listener who can't see you reading or is imagining the story that you're telling. And that goes double the case for someone visually impaired who have little or no vision at all. You are painting the picture for many of us who rely on audiobooks to read and learn about certain authors. So I guess now that you're right, if you do like a certain audiobook narrator, you can become a groupie and like this person and try and find the different books that that one narrator has read. That's that's kind of cool. Absolutely. So you have a, you have your own little groupies yet? <laughs> I, I think I have a tiny group of groupies. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. So tell us some of the, the recent books you've read so in case anybody listening may want to, you know, go get that book to listen to and listen to you. Sure. Um, well, you can find any book that I've narrated on audible.com. And, um, but a couple that recent ones that I would mention would be uh, one called Orchid Child by Victoria Costello. And it's just beautiful. It's sort of the genres are hard to pin down because it's historical fiction, literary fiction, um, and it, mostly takes place in in Ireland. Um it's a fascinating story and it's a it's it's a it's like a saga. It's woven together so beautifully. Um and then currently I'm working on a series and I just finished my part of book 4 and it's called The Shepherd's Security series and um that's by Margaret K. And this is a, through an independent, she's an independent author. And I have a co-narrator, Dan Levy, who's just great. And he does all the male parts and I do all the female parts. And it's so much fun because it's paramilitary action adventure, romantic suspense. So there's a lot going on. Now, are you both in the same location or is it different locations or at the same time feeding off each other? Is it just you tape your part and, and, you re- and he records his part? Yes, we do it separately. 
to be honest, I don't even know where Dan lives. <laughs> and so we communicate through email and we have a Google Drive folder where we put our files and um, he's doing the editing and he's doing an amazing job of editing, editing because I've listened to a couple of chapters that were finished from the series and it sounds like we're in the same room. So he's doing an excellent job with that. So I just, uh, you mentioned Audible. So are you contracted with just Audible or you do other places where books are, are, are available? It depends. It depends on who I narrated for. We narrate for independent authors and, and publishers. And it's kind of a different animal. Um, the details are kind of, make it a kind of different animal in the end. And all of the books are on Audible, for sure. Uh, but there are other platforms where some of my books may be available um, through libraries and, um, you know, Overdrive, I think Hoopla, um, lots of, there, wherever people find audiobooks, uh, not all of my books may be there. It depends on, on who I narrated for. What uh, I want to tell the listeners is that, I don't know what it was, a year ago or something, you had called me because there was a couple of weather terms that, uh, that you needed some assistance on. I, I That's think right. there were weather terms, weren't they? I, yeah, I can't it was, had to do with hurricanes. Yes, it was hurricanes, yes. So, yes, and it was some kind of scale, the Sa Simpson, Simon, Saffir, Saffir Saffir Simpson scale. Saffir Simpson scale, yes. <laughs> and, and I wanted to make sure I was pronouncing it correctly. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool that, you know, audiobook narrators, they do their research. They have to make this sound because, oh, I remember in that one Anne Rice book I was reading, he called it a P-Rogue and oh, a P no. Yeah, I heard P Rogue, <laughs> and I, and it was several times like, oh Lord, <laughs> you know, so a lot of us from here know it's a P Rogue, not a P Rogue. That's so right. So he pronounced it just as it's spelled. So research is very important. Just like you know, somebody new on TV, if they mispronounce Chapatulas, you know, they're not from here, right? That's right. That's right. Discredited immediately, <laughs> right? We have to be very careful with that. And, and that's, that's good that you you want to do the work to make it sound authentic and and people believe it. The good thing is I've learned a lot from that. And I've learned that that I have mispronounced some words my whole life. And <laughs> and um and I've learned about places because sometimes they'll there will be a, a location, a street name, a a country, a, a city that I've I think I might know how to pronounce it. Right. But I will check to make sure that it's correct because yeah. someone's going to catch it, and that's really going to bug someone. Right, because if I didn't live in Atlanta, I wouldn't have known that it's Houston Street, even though it's spelled Houston. That's right. So that's right. You have to, unfortunately, do a lot of research sometimes. Exactly. I've called the Chamber of Commerce or the non-emergency fire department number to ask questions. I did a book that was mostly in Santa Barbara, California. And I've never been there, but they had a lot of street names that had like Hispanic uh, pronunciations. And I wanted to make sure I got it right. So I called the non-emergency fire department and the woman there was so helpful. I had a list of, of places and names for her and she really helped me out. Oh, that's awesome. So in this same topic here, 
What goes into you preparing to read a book? What's the process? How long does it take? What do you have to do? Well, once I contract a book, and that can happen in a number of ways, usually through auditions, sometimes I will just be asked to to narrate a book for a publisher who knows me. Um, and um, so I have the contract. The first thing that I'm going to do is read the book. A lot of people ask, do you read the book first or do you just, you know, do it cold? Definitely we read the book first because we don't want any surprises such as maybe chapter four. She says, I'm going to sit right down in her British accent. And we've never heard that she had a British accent before. So, oops. Oh. Oh. <laughs> That's a big redo. Then. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, things like that. We, we, we don't want to come across too many surprises. And also it, it helps us to understand the arc of the story and really get to know the characters. When you're doing fiction, you're really becoming these characters just as if you were acting them on stage. You are the embodiment of, of and the voice of these characters, and you want to um, you want to project the author's intent for the the characters in the story. So reading it first is very important that you that you get all that. So after you've read the book. Oh yeah. Go on with the prep. Yes. Do you do you um take it in chunks? So how how do how do you record? Okay, yeah, good question. So once I've read the book and then I don't like to mark up the manuscript a whole lot. But sometimes it's necessary to maybe highlight some different dialogue, perhaps if there aren't too many uh, dialogue tags like he said or she said. If it's just back-and-forth conversation, I might highlight the two characters that are speaking in different colors um, just to give my brain that cue when I'm reading. And I do all this um, on my iPad in an app uh, for PDF reading. And... um, then before I start recording, I will research any words that I might have questions about. Um, and, yeah, that, that's, about, that's about the prep, I'm thinking. How much recording do you do during a day? Then, um, mo- I'm stumbling. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, different narrators narrate at different speeds and endurance. I'll put it that way. And I usually can narrate comfortably one to two hours of finished work a day, which doesn't sound like a lot, but during that whole time, you're making mistakes like I just did. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, so, and you're, you're, you're re-recording as you go, which is called punch and roll recording. And so it's also tiring. I stand to narrate. Some people sit to narrate. But it's, it's mentally and physically tiring, believe it or not. I had an image before I started doing this of sitting, relaxing, reading a book out loud. And it really, it, it's very different from that. It's, it's very much intense. You're, you're intensely concentrating on your audio recording software 
and your levels and how you're addressing the mic and if you're popping any P's or any F's or D's or, you know, you're constantly aware of what's going on when you're recording in your home studio by yourself. So when you record something, how often do you go back and listen to make sure it's good? I don't because I do that as I go. If I make a mistake, I stop, go back, correct the mistake. And if I want to, I might listen to that little segment again, but I don't go back and listen. It would take a very long time to do that. And we do have post-production work, like proofing, for instance, where another person with another set of ears proofs your work. And they will find mistakes that you had no idea you made. And some of them are pretty funny. I There was a recent book that I did. It was sort of a, a sweet little Christmas romance book. And the little girl had a horse named Satin. And I called that thing Satan. And, <laughs> and I, I, like five times in a row, I couldn't get Satin out. <laughs> and, um, but. I did catch myself on that, but sometimes that happens and you don't catch yourself and then the proofer catches it and sends you a list of mistakes that you have to fix called pickups. Oh, Lord, that'd be me. With my bad memory, I wouldn't realize what I said and I'd have so many redos to have to go through again. It wouldn't be your memory. It's just more that you're into the story and you're, you know, you're just moving forward and, and you're seeing the picture in your own head and... And projecting that out, and you have no idea that you make some of these hilarious mistakes. Wow. Um, just to let listeners know, if you don't know this as well, the uh, State Library, uh, Louisiana State Library, has a audiobook on tape program that is free. All you have to do is fill out an application, uh, talk to your local library. They'll let you know about it. But these tapes come from Baton Rouge, and they're sent to you, and you can pick out the different topics ahead of time. And then once you're done, you have to mail them back. But uh, check out the uh, uh, State Library book on tape program, and it is free to anybody visually impaired. Uh, Melissa, in the uh, final few minutes we have left, about four, I usually like to ask four questions of my guests. It's usually like like that Lipton inside the actor studio. At the end, they, he does four <laughs> questions. I'm not going to ask you your favorite curse word. Uh, oh, like darn he it. Does. What is I your, just said it. Darn what is it. your favorite movie? And why? Oh, oh gosh. Now, I do have a lot of favorite movies, but I will say the movie Amadeus. Oh, I remember that one. Do yeah. you? Yes. Tom Hulse. Yes, it was a great played movie. Played Mozart. Uh-huh. And um, F. Murray Abraham. Abraham. Yeah, yeah, played Antonio Salieri. And I love that movie. The music, it's all, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a classical music expert at all, but just... The watching that movie is just a journey because the music is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think Tom Hulse was cast perfectly in, oh, the, yeah. in that just the dichotomy of his um his extrovert, wild party guy personality and then his deep, deep hidden uh darkness and and fear and I guess I just I love that movie. Yeah, it was the great performances. It was an Oscar-winning movie too, if I remember well, correctly. I I didn't even know that, but yeah, I think I, so. I've yeah. seen it a few times, and I I could watch it again. Okay, what's your favorite genre of music or artist? What do you listen to the most? Oh, 
Oh, that's hard too. I have too many favorites. Um, I really, I, I like blues and harmonica. Like, uh, and I'm not good with naming artists, um, but I do, I do like that kind of music. Okay. I'll put, and I like Zydeco music. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what is um, something that you do to relax? What do you do when you're not working, when you're not doing anything? What do you do to relax? Jigsaw puzzles. Oh, okay. I, I love them. I do. I remember as a kid doing jigsaw puzzles with family and one table had nothing but a puzzle going on it. Yeah, that's what you do. Yes, there's what, always a puzzle on my dining room table. Any particular thing like a scenery or... or yeah, know. I like puzzles that have little details in them that you don't notice when you look at the picture. And there's a there's an artist, Charles Wysocki, who does a lot of Americana-type pictures, and they've made them into puzzles. And there'll be tiny little horses, and there'll be the, you know, the tiniest little detail. Okay. And I do enjoy that. All right. See, I thought you were going to say CrossFit, but you didn't. Okay. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> that's just part of my lifestyle. Okay. That's like getting that's up every and day. E- that's like getting up and eating breakfast. Okay. Yeah. Last question. What uh, is on your bucket list still? What is something you want to do or go see or place? Oh, my goodness. Um, bucket list makes me think of traveling. And I'd love to go to Ireland. I mentioned that book. Orchid Child by Victoria Costello. And that book just made me really want to go to Ireland even more. So, and then I discovered that I have pretty heavy Irish and Scottish ancestry. If you've ever done the 23andMe or the Ancestry.com. No, I've not done that. Um, yeah, they, they change it sometimes based on the continuing data that they get. And every time I look at it, I'm more and more Irish. Wait, wait, wait. They changed the data on you? Wait, how did they change it? It's one <laughs> DNA. How do they keep changing that? I guess based on all they use, they use all the data from everybody and somehow it okay. evolves. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. All right, Melissa, I want to thank you for joining us and let us know about the audiobook world and being a narrator. This is fascinating. I told you I enjoy this and uh, I do appreciate the art that goes into it. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's kind of a secret little hidden thing because we're just tucked away behind a microphone and then coming into your ear. Well, hopefully we open the curtain a little bit, let everybody know Absolutely. the process behind it. Yes, it was my pleasure to be here, Carl. Thanks, Thank Melissa. You. You've been listening to WRBH, reading radio for the blind. This has been the Public Affairs Show. I'm Carla Redondo. Thank you for listening.